1: So the economy's a mess. Uh, Gas jumped 30 cents a gallon in Columbus over the last few days. Hoo-ha, here comes your summer price hike. Uh, Southern border is a complete train wreck. Joe Biden's poll numbers are abysmal. And so, of course, he has to go back to old reliable, which is to condemn white supremacy As the raging threat to America, not inflation, not an impending recession, not the economy, not Russia, Ukraine or Taiwan, China. No white supremacy. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, you and I, we all each know what at least, I don't know how many, 50, 60, 75 white supremacists, right? Yeah, I don't know one, never met one, nor have you. Because, relatively speaking, they don't exist. Uh, But here was Joe Biden over the weekend at a uh, commencement address that he was giving, uh, I believe, at Howard University. It's really not important where, except it was a historically black college with an overwhelmingly black audience. And so Joe Biden decided, well, what better place to pander with uh, yet another lie?
0: Stand up against the poison. White supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. Mm. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go.
1: Uh, He does say it wherever he goes. Uh, He told uh, Charlemagne the God, uh, if you... uh you vote for Trump, you ain't black. So he has parroted this lie in advance of becoming president and throughout becoming president. And we are used to that lie. What we are not used to is Ohio's own tiny tyrant, Mike DeWine, penning an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch that essentially reinforces and affirms what Joe Biden just said to you. Yes, I know, it is hard in the Columbus Dispatch to find an editorial that is not penned by a leftist. And I'm not going to say that that changes with Mike DeWine penning an editorial or an op-ed piece for the Columbus Dispatch. Because here is what Governor DeWine wrote. The headline is, Mike DeWine, colon, from Holocaust to Nazis at Columbus Drag Brunch. History teaches and can repeat. Okay, now I will say this up front. I'm sure Governor DeWine's op-ed was written in advance and planned for publication before Joe Biden said what he said about white supremacy over the weekend. I will acknowledge that. But the mere fact that Mike DeWine wrote this at all tells you everything you need to know about a governor who lacks the fortitude to take a position at all on issues that are an exponentially greater threat to life in Ohio, to truth, and to the course of our education system. Has Mike DeWine ever come out and taken a conservative position on The Protect Women's Sports Act or on outlawing puberty blockers and sex reassignment surgery on minors. It's my impression that Mike DeWine takes a very quiet position on those issues. There are governors out there. Iowa has one, Kim Reynolds. Florida has one, Ron DeSantis. Arkansas has one, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Arizona used to have one, Doug Ducey, who lead on these issues. Mike DeWine does not lead on anything. Mike DeWine hides on almost everything. Oh, except things that have no potential to really offend anyone, like, I know, let's resurrect Ohio, the heart of it all. And we'll hold a press conference on that. And then to embrace a decidedly leftist position, which is to extrapolate one instance as indicative of the prevailing attitude out there. In this editorial, DeWine cites the recent drag brunch where some neo Nazis showed up and made threats. And Mike DeWine uses that one instance as indicative, he says... Of some prevailing, overwhelming, looming threat of neo-Nazism in the state of Ohio. That is not just untrue. It is a blatant lie. And he should know it. And the fact that he doesn't know it enough to avoid making that generalization, that untruthful generalization, tells you everything you need to know about Mike DeWine. I reached out to his press spokesman Dan Tierney today in an editorial, in, a, in, a, in an email. And I said to Dan, I read with interest Governor DeWine's op-ed in today's dispatch. It, it's interesting to me that he picks one drag show at which neo-Nazis protested to make a general point about the dangers of extremism. There are many drag shows in Ohio and many of those not only welcome, but target children. Does the governor deem any protest of drag shows to be indicative of protesters exhibiting and sharing Nazi ideology? Is it the governor's position that parents, grandparents, citizens, and others who protest drag shows that admit children are exhibiting a Nazi mindset or are dangerous purveyors of hate? I would like to know the answers to that question, and I told Dan Tierney that I would certainly share his answers and that I would note his lack of response, which I am doing now because he has not responded. And I would not doubt that he will not respond because Mike DeWine is a failure as a governor of a decidedly red state. Why does Mike DeWine think we have a supermajority, a strengthened supermajority of Republican legislators in the state of Ohio? Why does Mike DeWine think? We have Republicans across the board in every major state-elected office. Governor, Attorney General, Auditor, Secretary of State. Why does Mike DeWine think we have a conservative majority and a Republican Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court? Is that just all a big coincidence to Governor DeWine? I would think he's certainly been in politics long enough. (laughs) To know that the people who hold elected office are reflective of the political beliefs of those who elect them. And what he is doing with this editorial is taking one fringe group of Nazis who show up at one drag show to say, Oh, we got a huge problem with the Nazis in Ohio. And I'm sure he will not acknowledge it, nor will his press spokesman, but this kind of editorial has a chilling effect on rightly concerned parents who do not want their kids recruited to attend drag shows, who do not want drag performers twerking and cavorting in front of minor children. We let the LGBTQ lobby get way ahead on a lot of different things. We have incrementally surrendered on a lot of things we never should have surrendered on. Marriage, adoption, on and on and on. We have backed ourselves up to the precipice of the cliff. And they want to push us off by getting us to agree to allow our minor children to be sexualized by these perverted, demented costumed men pretending to be the most garish representation of women. We have nowhere to go but either off the cliff or to push back. The governor would happily shove you off the cliff. I will push back and I hope you will too. So, over the weekend, we had uh, bad weather in Iowa. And the bad weather in Iowa either did or didn't keep Donald Trump from going to Iowa. Uh, Trump was uh, ready to board his plane in Florida. He was ready to fly to Iowa. There was a big hoo-ha about Trump and DeSantis both appearing in Iowa on Saturday. Who would get the bigger crowd? On and on and on and on and on. Uh, Trump did not go. There was a tornado warning. DeSantis was already there, and he held his rally. The Trump people will tell you that DeSantis rally had only 300 people. The DeSantis people will tell you that the tornado warning was not in effect when Trump could have flown, and he didn't come because he was afraid that DeSantis would outdraw him, and that it would look bad for the former president. Where the truth is, I don't know. I honestly don't do not know. But here's what I do know. I've told you before that I'm a single-issue voter. Now, more than one candidate can satisfy me on that one issue, which is abortion. Where do you stand on abortion? You have to be 100% pro-life or I'm not going to vote for you. And now, we are about to hold the first presidential election since the overturn of Roe v.ersus Wade. And the debate about abortion has shifted now that conservatives for the first time in half a century are not being violated by a constitutional amendment allowing abortion. We're about to have this issue framed as a decisive issue in the election of an American president. And Donald Trump had he taken the legacy of being the president whose Supreme Court picks made possible the overturn of Roe v.ersus Wade. Well, he could stand on that forever, but instead he wants to come back and run a third time for president and try to get elected a second time. Thus, obscuring, if not utterly destroying, what would have been a lasting legacy as the president who made possible the overturn of Roe versus Wade. If he loses a second time, that becomes his legacy. That becomes his legacy. If he wins, that becomes his legacy. That he's a president who lost and came back and won again. That is the choice Donald Trump has made. Now, you would think that someone whose legacy was secure as the guy who made possible the overturn of Roe versus Wade would not be obfuscating on the matter of abortion, that he would be the most pro-life Candidate in the field, but he is not the most pro life candidate in the field. Ron DeSantis is the most pro life candidate in the field. Ron DeSantis, from among those who, DeSantis is not announced, but among those who have announced, I do f- forgive me on Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't know where Vivek stands on this, but Nikki Haley and Tim Scott have waffled, and Donald Trump is waffling. In an interview published this morning, In something called The Messenger, Donald Trump says Ron DeSantis' stance on abortion, signing a six-week abortion ban, the heartbeat bill, the same bill we have here in Ohio if we're ever allowed to enforce it, Trump says DeSantis' position on that is, quote, too harsh. Does Donald Trump sound like a candidate who is unabashedly, unashamedly pro-life? Not to me. Trump, like he did on CNN on Wednesday night, refused to elaborate on his own stance regarding abortion. If people won't tell you where they stand, be wary of that. Instead, he claims to have heard, oh man, this sounds very Democratic. I I claim to have heard that pro-life voters oppose Ron DeSantis' bill. I can tell you right now, pro-life voters do not oppose a six-week ban on abortion. Pro-life voters embrace a six-week ban on abortion. Trump said he is, quote, looking at all options. I'll bet he is. Donald Trump wants to win. I want to win. The difference is Donald Trump will sacrifice. Well, I don't know. He may not be sacrificing his ideals because I don't think he ever held pro-life views. He helped us get rid of Roe versus Wade, and I'll give him full credit for that. Forever. But this is the difference between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, and it's not on abortion. Abortion is attached to the difference because I've heard Ron DeSantis say before, his idea of leadership is to stake out a position and convince everyone who does not share that position that that is the right position. Donald Trump's position on leadership is the same position as Mike DeWine, Joe Biden, And every other politician in their eyes, leadership is take a poll, find out where the voters are and craft your position around that view. That is their that is leadership to most politicians. Where do the people stand? Well, then that's where I stand. Or I'll stand as close to that as I can without alienating. A big number of voters who make standing that close to the position untenable for me as a candidate. I prefer a true leader. Someone who casts a vision and someone who convinces you that their vision is a vision you should buy into. Now here is Ron DeSantis in Iowa speaking to the people who attended his rally.
2: If we make 2024 election a referendum on Joe Biden and his failures, and if we provide a positive alternative for the future of this country, Republicans will win across the board. If we do not do that, Uh, If we get distracted, if we focus the election on the past or on other side issues, then I think the Democrats are going to beat us again.
1: I share that opinion. I believe that is 100 percent right. I believe that is more problematic with Donald Trump as the opponent of Joe Biden. Mark Thiessen, Washington Post on Ron DeSantis's Message.
2: That's a really compelling message. Uh, you know, the, he said we got to get rid of the culture of losing in the, in the conservative movement. He's absolutely right. But look, here's the thing. If you look at the 2022 midterms, Dana, who are, there were two types of candidates. There were forward-looking, reforming, reform-minded governors uh, who did really, really well, and then there were the populist rabble rousers who, you know, uh, elated the hearts of the MAGA the MAGA faithful, but lost a lot of winnable races. And so the the, the, the hearts of conservatives are with the rabble rousers, but their minds are with the with the reform governors. The thing about Ron DeSantis is he's both. He he is as uh, he's, he's second to none in taking on wokeness, taking on Disney, and all the rest of it. But he's delivered a just tsunami of conservative reform. I mean, just since his election, you know. The most uh, the most uh, strongest school choice law in the country, protected Second Amendment rights, took on trial lawyers, passed a, a heartbeat bill, banned ESG investing of state assets and, you know, and has and pushed back on Disney. I mean, the list of things that he's done is remarkable in just a small period. So he's making a case that you can be both. Uh, you know both take on wokeness, both fight, uh, take on those fights, but win elections. he won by twenty points uh, in in Florida, the best record he won independence, he won hispanics, he won women, and also deliver like results you can you can punch the left and deliver results for the right and that 's possible
1: It is possible. Tyson is wrong on only one count. He said that there were two types of candidates for governor in the midterm election there were reformers. Like Ron DeSantis, and there were rabble-rousers like Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. There was a third kind. There were cowardly little squishes like Mike DeWine, who had the benefit of being as close to a conservative as Republican voters had to pick from on the ballot. But DeWine is neither a reformer. Not a reformer.